Well, good morning. Very warm welcome to you. It's good to be back uh, this week after a week off. And as we come to worship God, may you know God's loving presence with you. Our call to worship comes from Psalm 34. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. So let's worship God as we sing our first hymn, Tell Out My Soul, Mission Praise number 631. Let's pray. Gracious
gracious and loving God, we come today to worship you for your greatness and your goodness. Thank you that you are good and faithful in all your ways, and that today you delight in us and invite us to know you more. As we gather in worship and praise to you, still our hearts and our thoughts, that we may listen and hear all that you want to say to us. Help us now release any burdens of care to you, knowing that you lift us up with your strong arms. Forgive us for any ways we have not lived in love, in our words or thoughts or actions. Renew us once more with your Holy Spirit through our time of worship, that we may be strengthened in our faith to live in the love and for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, today I'd like us to think about how we often know who people are by what they do. And so I'm going to uh, say a few things that certain people do, and I want you to, to guess what, who that person is and what by. This is a description of the kinds of jobs that people do. So, first one. This person is able to stop traffic. Any, any ideas? A lollipop man, well, that's very good, actually. I'd thought of something else, but that's, that's absolutely right. Does anyone else stop traffic? Policemen or policewomen. So, yes, those are, those are um, very correct. And uh, uh, what about someone that tries to kick a ball into a net and they play with 10 other players? Footballer, yes. Rangers. No comment. <laughs> Partick Thistle, yes. Yes, that's all right. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just joking. But uh, a person who makes cakes and bread to sell. Baker, there we are. Yes, so you can tell who that is by what they do. Okay, last one. A person who tells us whether it's going to be rainy or sunny or windy or hail or the weatherman, weatherwoman. Yes. Or more technical terms if you really want. So, <laughs> um, okay. So, well, today's Bible story, we're going to be hearing about 
um, a story that tells us a little bit about who the person is by what they do. And so, um, if you think about what's happening in the story and what it tells us about that person. So, our story begins with Jesus going to the house of his friends. It was Peter's house, actually, and uh, his friends as well came with with Jesus and Peter were James and John, and they came to Peter's house, but they discovered that Peter's uh, wife's mother, his mother-in-law, was unwell. She had a fever, but Jesus went in to see her, took her by the hand, helped her up, and as he did that, the fever left her, and she was well again. And um, that was great. And so when she was well, she started to um, prepare a meal for them and they, they all were having a meal together with Jesus. And everyone was very happy that she was well again. Well, later that, uh, that day, in the evening, um, people had heard by this time that Jesus was in town and that uh, people had been healed. At, uh, and they came and they brought the people who were unwell or sick um, in different ways, and Jesus healed them all. He healed those who were sick. He uh, delivered people who were oppressed by unclean spirits. He did all of these things, and uh, it was amazing. Jesus healed all these people. And that tells us something about Jesus. In fact, the Bible tells us that this was um, a sign that Jesus was sent by God. And more than that, that Jesus was actually God's son. These were signs pointing to Jesus being God's son. And uh, it was an amazing thing that was happening. But the, the wonderful thing is that uh, it, Jesus not only did this to show how much God cares for us, how, how much he cared for those people, but he can do these things today. He does it through his church. He heals people. He helps people. He helps people to live life to the full. And we can pray for each other uh, in Jesus' name. And that's a wonderful thing that uh, God uh, continues to do these things. But these were at first signs that because Jesus was doing them, he was God's son. And that's an amazing and wonderful thing. So let's, uh, let's pray about that before we sing our, our next hymn. Dear God, we thank you that Jesus came to show us what you're like. Thank you that Jesus healed people to show us how much you care for us. Thank you that because of Jesus, your son, we can know you and your power to help us and heal us today. Amen. Well, we're going to uh, sing a hymn which is all about God's power, and uh, it's Our Lord God, and it's Mission Praise number six, and we're going to sing this one through a couple of times. I'd just like to read from Jeremiah chapter 32. It's the same verse that we are going to sing now. Jeremiah declares, Our Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. You show steadfast love to thousands, but you repay the guilt of fathers to their children after them. 
O great and mighty God, whose name is the Lord of hosts, great in counsel and mighty indeed, whose eyes are open to all the ways of the children of man, rewarding each one according to his ways and according to the fruit of his deeds. So this morning, I'd just like to encourage you all that whatever be the situation in your life, just remember, nothing is impossible, nothing is difficult with God. So with that hope and that joy, let's all rise and sing this song. God, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thy great power. Ah, Lord God, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thine outstretched arm. One more time. Ah, Lord God, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thy great power. Ah, Lord God, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thine outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for thee. 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 Great and mighty God. Great in counsel and mighty indeed. Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing. Nothing is too difficult for the great and mighty God. Great and mighty God. Great in counsel and mighty indeed. Let's declare it. Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing. Nothing is too difficult for thee, our Lord God. Our Lord God, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thy great power. Our Lord God, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thine outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for thee. Nothing is too difficult for thee. Can we join in clap? Nothing is too difficult for thee, nothing is too difficult for thee. Oh, great and mighty God, great in counsel and mighty indeed. Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing, nothing is too difficult for thee. Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing. Nothing is too difficult for thee. Amen. Let's bring our prayers for others to God now. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you that nothing is impossible for you. We thank you for your grace and your compassion towards us and towards your world. And we praise you for all that you have given us through our Lord Jesus Christ and for the life and hope we have in him. We thank you for the way that you have called your church to continue Christ, Christ's work, to share the good news in word and deed, and to do the works of your kingdom. And so we pray for your people in this parish and throughout the world, 
that through the power of your Holy Spirit we may live with courage and faith in sharing the gospel of Christ in word and deed. We pray for our King and all those in authority that in the fulfilling of their duties they may be guided by your Spirit and upheld by your grace. On this Sunday before the coronation, we pray for your blessing upon His Majesty King Charles III and Her Majesty Camilla, the Queen Consort. May your Spirit enable and guide them as they are affirmed in their responsibilities. We pray for our community, our country, and the nations of the world, that following the ways of truth and justice, they may be free from bitterness and strife, and by the power of your love, live in peace. We especially remember those places in the midst of conflict, including the Sudan and Ukraine. And we pray for a just peace and the restoration of lives and communities will soon take place. Bless with your comfort all who are in trouble or pain. Heal those who are sick. Support those who are dying. Console those who mourn. Supply the wants of those who are in need. Bless our homes, we pray, that love and joy may dwell there and keep those who are absent from us within the protection of your love. We give thanks for those who have died in the faith, especially those known to us, who have entered into the joy and peace of your nearer presence. Grant that we may follow their example and come to share with them the glory of everlasting life through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who with you, dear Father, and the Holy Spirit is worshipped and glorified forever. Amen. We continue our worship now as we sing our next hymn, I Will Sing the Wondrous Story, Mission Praise number 315. <laughs>
This morning's readings come from the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, verses 1 to 9, and the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 1 to 12. Come, all, who, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk, without money and cost, and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread, and your labour on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me, listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful loved promise to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declare the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Matthew, the book of Matthew. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Here endeth this morning's reading. Our next hymn is Jesus Be the Centre, Mission Praise 1076. Some very tough things to follow, right? Blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek. We don't think it's so easy to do, but that's what our Christ has called us to do. And we will be able to do it only when he becomes the center of our life, of our schools, of our universities, of our country. So let's call out to him in a sincere prayer that Jesus be the center of my heart. Jesus, be the center, be my source, be my life, Jesus, Jesus. 
be my hope, be my song, Jesus. Be the fire in my heart, be the wind in this sense, be the reason that I live, Jesus, 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 be my vision, be my path, be my guide, One more time we'll sing, Jesus be my vision. Jesus be my vision, be my path, be my guide, Jesus be the fire in my heart. Let's pray as we come to God's word. Lord God, we thank you for your word because uh, without your speaking to us, we would never be able to know you. We thank you, Lord, that even though you're higher and beyond our imagining, that you have come to us through Jesus that you have called us into that relationship of love with him, that you have called us to be part of your family through faith. And so we ask, Lord, that uh, you would reveal um, what you want to say to us, to our hearts and minds, that we would understand clearly all the things that you want to say to us today. And we ask that you would open our eyes by your Spirit and our hearts as well. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when we're traveling somewhere we've never been before, having directions is essential if we're to arrive at the right destination. Nowadays, of course, we can get directions at our fingertips, whether it's on our phones or through built-in sat-navs in our cars. Recently, I've noticed there are some additional options given through these electronic guidance systems. If I need to get somewhere as quick as possible, I can choose the fastest route option. 
If I'm not in that much of a hurry and want to save fuel, I can choose the economy route option, which is usually the most direct route as the crow flies. There are also options we can choose manually if we want to go on a scenic route. For example, if we're on holiday and we want to take our time. What we're doing is choosing what we value most on our particular journey. If what we value at the time is speed, we choose the fastest route. If what we value is saving money on our fuel costs, we'll choose the most eco-friendly route. And if we value seeing views of the countryside, we'll choose the scenic route. It depends on the kind of journey that we're on, but the values we have for our journey have a big impact on the direction that we travel and the route that we take. Jesus, in what we know as the Beatitudes, teaches us values that help us on our journey in life to find the right route and the right direction and the right destination. Now, these values might appear unexpected. They might appear unwanted even. But from God's heavenly perspective, these are the values of his kingdom that lead us and keep us in the way of eternal life through Jesus. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking a little closer at each of the Beatitudes in turn. The values that Jesus teaches us are blessed. This week, however, by way of introduction, we're going to be thinking about the contrast between the values that we might already have, the values of the world around us that it sees as important, and these values of God's kingdom for a blessed life. I wonder what values guide us. What are the things that we value that influence our decisions and the choices that we make in our daily lives. I'm sure some of our values will come from our upbringing. We might have taken on board the things that we were told by our parents or people who had an influence on us in our formative years. Some of these values will undoubtedly be helpful. For example, we might have been taught it's good to always be on time and carry that into our adult life. I remember um, another of uh, my grandparents' expressions, um, which in Scots is every mickle max a muckle, which uh, roughly means it can mean a few different things, but I'll translate it as every little bit eventually makes a lot, or look after the small things and so forth, or to quote a well-known supermarket slogan, every little helps. Well, these values can help us in the way that we live whether it's about being punctual or remembering to look after the small matters to help us overall. There are, of course, less helpful values we might pick up along the way, which we might not even be conscious of. For example, we might have unconscious, unconsciously thought that we need to always prove ourselves or achieve in order to be accepted. For some people, there'll be other things, and these unconscious values can lead us to live in a way that's not helpful or healthy 
and can impact our relationships and our, our work and every aspect of our lives. But along with the values that we're taught or which we picked up even unconsciously from our upbringing, what about the values of the world that tries to influence us? What are the values that we find most prominent today? They would surely include the value that says to have a good life, we should be able to do whatever we want and be whoever we want to be. There are, of course, some positive values around, such as the value of caring for our planet. But when we dig into many of the messages that are being promoted through our media and elsewhere, it reveals quite a me-centered culture. If it's all right for me, then it's all right. We should also remember that while in the past our cultural values might have been influenced by biblical ethics, nowadays this is largely no longer the case. Instead, the values of our culture have become much more relative to whatever is popular, rather than being grounded in God's timeless commandments. As we all live in a sea of competing values, each trying to persuade us of the merits of living this way or that way, how vital it is that we hear what God is saying to us and be guided by God's values in order to travel God's way of eternal life. It seems when we start to look at the values of God's kingdom, however, that they're very different from those that we might put on our own list of a blessed life. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, those who are persecuted because of righteousness. These are hardly the sort of things that we might put on our own list. Would we not be more likely to put things like blessed are the financially secure, the high achievers, those with great personalities, the beautiful people, the healthy and the well-liked. And yet none of these things is on Jesus' list of vitally important indicators of a blessed life in God's eyes. But why is that? Why do God's values differ so much from our own? In our first Bible reading today from the opening nine verses of Isaiah 55, especially from verses eight and nine, we begin to see why. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, when God first spoke through the prophet Isaiah in these, in these verses, it was to his people in exile. They were living in Babylon, far away from the promised land. They had consistently rejected God's values and commands for their lives, and they had be, been overtaken by a foreign superpower of the day, and many were transported unwillingly to live in a faraway empire. And the people were wondering what God's future plans for them would be. What hope was there for them? And it was into this situation that God spoke words of hope and encouragement. 
He was making a new way for them, a way that would see them restored. But more than that, there was to be a bright future through what God was going to do later on, and that was to be fulfilled in the coming of Jesus. But here there's also a reminder that if we're ever tempted to try and fit God into the box of our own thoughts and ways, to make God try and fit into the way that we think things should be, then we'll be way off the mark. Because God's thoughts and ways are so much higher than ours, as the heavens are above the earth, and God's ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Psalm 103, verses 10 to 12, for example, also makes a comparison about the greatness of God's love and forgiveness. It says about God, he does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities for as high as the heavens are above the earth. So great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. The quality of God's love and mercy and forgiveness is of such a order of magnitude greater than ours that we can only begin to describe it using these kinds of images, being higher than the heavens above us or further than the east from the west. And yet, as we look in the first few verses of Isaiah 55, we find that though God is so much higher and above us in our ways and our thoughts, that doesn't mean that he's out of reach. In fact, because of his great love and mercy, which is higher than the heavens, because he values us so much, he reaches out to us and invites us to receive what we need from him. Jesus is, of course, the full embodiment of God with us. As God's Son come from heaven to reveal the fullness of God's love, by dying on the cross and rising to life again, he opened the way for us to enter into God's forgiveness for our sins and receive the gift of eternal life by God's Spirit. And we're going to look in more depth at the values of God's kingdom that Jesus teaches in the coming weeks. But here we have this invitation from God to come to him because he is the only one who truly has what we need to live a life of blessing and fullness. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters and you, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. There are lots of things, of course, that promise to fulfill us in life but fall short. That's because God has made us to know him and live in a relationship with him. It's like there's a space within us that can't be filled by anything else, however hard we try, or by anyone else but God. 
in the Gospel of John, chapter 4, we, um, we have the story of how Jesus met the woman at the well, and he promised her living water, the water of God's Holy Spirit, to quench the deep thirst in her soul, the thirst that hadn't been quenched by a string of other relationships, by trying to fill it in other ways. But through our meeting with Jesus, she discovered the truth of these words in Isaiah 55. The water Jesus gave her did satisfy her because she experienced God's love and God's goodness. By contrast, Jesus also told a parable about a man who seemed to have everything materially. But when it came to the things that really matter, he came up short. The man in the story expected to enjoy his wealth for many years, not regarding the condition of his soul before God as important. And yet that very night he passed into eternity and he wasn't prepared. So Jesus posed a very important question to those who were listening and to us today. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Instead, God calls out to us. He says, listen, give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. God's desire is that we should all find fullness of life in him. He wants us to find life through faith in Jesus, his son, and become part of his family forever. He doesn't want us to miss his greatest gift of eternal life. The first step, however, which is also mentioned in the first of the Beatitudes of Jesus, is to recognize our need of God. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, or as the Good News translation puts it, happy are those who know they are spiritually poor. So like uh, a lot of other things, unless we recognize our needs, we're not going to seek help. But if we can see that God has all the resources of heaven available to us in Jesus, God's love, his forgiveness, his guidance, and his provision for all the rest. If we can see that, we'll be encouraged to seek God for what we need. And yet it may be that to some of us, God simply seems far off or unattainable. We might be thinking we're not good enough. Maybe we're conscious of some sin or failing in our part. And we reckon that we first need to try and be good enough in order to receive from God. After all, it does say in verse 6, seek the Lord while he may be found. Maybe this isn't a good time, we might think to ourselves. But if that's us, let's just look on a bit, because in verse 7 it says, let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God, and for he will freely pardon. Although God hates sin and what it does to us, he loves us. By God's standard, we've all fallen short and are in need of his forgiveness. 
But that's exactly what he offers us. He offers us a fresh start with him. He promises to forgive our sins and remove any guilt and shame in our lives. He wants us to know his love to set us free and his grace to empower us day by day. He wants us to discover that he is the one who satisfies our deepest desires and gives us a hope that lasts for eternity. Then we can share that hope and that fullness of life in Jesus with others. Let's remember that when Jesus met people, he was never put off by their sins and their failings, even what they thought of themselves. We can think of the example of his close disciple and friend, Peter. When Peter saw the miraculous catch of fish, he recognized God's presence with Jesus. But aware of his own shortcomings, he said to Jesus, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. What was Jesus' response? Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. The only people who Jesus said would miss out on God's invitation of life were those who failed to see that they needed God's grace and forgiveness. We don't need to have everything sorted out before we come to God to receive his love, his goodness, his forgiveness, his guidance, or anything else that we need in our lives today. We simply have to come recognizing our need, turning to God and believing that God has the answer. It's as simple as that. It says in Psalm 139 that there's nowhere we can go where God is not. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise in the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. God is present. He is here. He, we can call on him. It also says that God is constantly thinking about us in Psalm 139 because he loves us and he wants to bless us. How amazing are your thoughts concerning me, God? How vast is the sum of them? Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. What greater encouragement can there be to come and receive from our Lord whatever it is that we need to seek the Lord while he may be found and call on him because he is near to us. He is present with us by his spirit and he cares for us in every part of our lives. And he wants to develop these, um, these attitudes of his kingdom in us but we don't need to come from the starting point that we're already there. We're all on a journey. But God is waiting for us to come and receive from him. The resources of heaven are open to us through Jesus. All we need to do is recognize our need and call out to him. For as Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Let's pray together.
Lord God, we thank you that you reach out to us, that you have come to us through Jesus. We thank you that uh, you show us the values of your kingdom, that your thoughts are higher than our thoughts, and your ways are higher than our ways. Help us, we pray, to take hold of your hand, to step forward in faith with you, to recognize our own need, and to receive from you. We thank you, Lord, that nothing is impossible for you. And so whatever we think of our own needs or the needs of those around us, help us to know that you are able and more than able to give what we need today. And we thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for the great sacrifice of your Son, Jesus Christ, giving his life to bring us into your presence through the forgiveness of our sins and the gift of life by your Spirit. And so today we ask that as we worship you, that you would accept our gifts and offerings for the work of your eternal kingdom of light. And may our lives be living sacrifices dedicated for your service through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. We conclude our service of worship with a hymn of response, Take My Life and Let It Be, Mission Praise number 624.
Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you this day and remain with you always. Amen.